You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Expanding Medicare coverage to uninsured adults may not cost as much as previously thought. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. J. Michael McWilliams. Dr. McWilliams from Harvard Medical School and Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, is the lead author of the study published in the New England Journal of Medicine discussing what happens when uninsured Americans reach 65 and gain access to Medicare. Dr. McWilliams, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. Please summarize the study. Sure, Susan. We used 12 years of survey data from the Health and Retirement Study to follow over 5,000 adults who are either privately insured or uninsured before gaining Medicare coverage at age 65. We found that previously uninsured adults were more likely to experience health declines before the age of 65 and reported persistently greater health care needs after 65. They required more frequent hospital admissions and doctor's visits and reported greater total health care costs as well after the age of 65 than adults who were previously insured. And this suggests that providing health insurance coverage for these uninsured adults may not only improve their health outcomes, but also reduce their annual health care use after 65. And these downstream reductions could partially offset the cost of expanding coverage. So providing health insurance to these older uninsured adults may cost less than we previously thought. Before we continue discussing the study, give us some statistics that help put things into perspective. For example, what percentage of the population is uninsured? I believe according to 2004 estimates, close to 16% of the U.S. population, or about 46 million children and adults, lacked coverage when they were asked on a survey. This includes about 3.5 million near-elderly adults in the 55 to 64 years old age range, and a number that is likely to grow as baby boomers age into this group and private coverage continues to become less affordable. And when will the first baby boomers start receiving Medicare? That's a good question. I think it will occur in... 2011, but I am not positive. And Medicare is what percentage of the federal budget? Well, Medicare spending accounts for a significant chunk of the federal budget. I think about 14% or 374 billion dollars in 2006 according to estimates. The program currently covers about 43 million elderly and disabled Americans. Again, a number that is likely to grow as the population ages in the next decade or two. What are you proposing based on your study findings? Well, our findings suggest that particularly as the baby boomers age into the near-elderly age group, expanding coverage for older uninsured adults before 65 could significantly improve the health of a growing population of elderly Americans while being a very cost-effective policy. I might also add that adults in this age group currently have higher rates of obesity and hypertension than previous generations, which suggests a rising burden of chronic disease and a greater need for preventive care. How do you respond to people who say the study findings are just common sense? I would agree with them. Fortunately, however, common sense sometimes is not enough for sound health policies to be realized. It may seem to some that we're only proving the obvious, but I think rigorous studies are helpful because there is always a counterargument. For example, in this case, some adults may be uninsured because they value health and health care less than others or value tomorrow less than today. So one could argue that poorer outcomes that we observe among the uninsured are due to preferences and attitudes, 
not lack of coverage. Our findings would suggest otherwise. How do you respond to those who suggest that the findings of the study are surprising because you might expect that patients who have fallen into the habit of not using much health care might not continue to use it even when it's available? Well, our findings suggest that that is not the case. We did find that uninsured adults used fewer services before 65, as one might expect, But after gaining Medicare coverage, their use of services not only increased to the level of the previously insured adults, but exceeded it substantially. This suggests that even if uninsured adults value healthcare less than insured adults, when the services do become affordable and covered, they do seek care. And when healthcare is unaffordable, their health may suffer, leading to greater healthcare needs down the road. What are the implications for the primary care practitioner? Well, I think as as a primary care physician myself, the conditions in which we found these increases most striking, high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease, are really the the bread and butter of uh, practicing primary care physician's practice. And taking care of these conditions can be really rewarding because modern medicine offers a lot of effective treatments in treating these conditions. Our study seems to imply that our health system fails to provide adequate access to many adults who lack coverage and who could substantially benefit from the care of primary care physicians. I would add that it's concerning that despite this need for more primary care, primary care has become a less attractive profession to many physicians and graduating residents. Something seems to be fundamentally wrong with how we value and reward the care provided by primary care physicians and how it is made accessible and affordable to those who need it most. Why do you think it's not as attractive? I think specialties have become attractive in the higher salaries and reimbursement, as well as the pressures on primary care physicians. It's not an easy job. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Dr. J. Michael McWilliams, lead author of the study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, discussing what happens when uninsured Americans reach 65 and gain access to Medicare. Dr. McWilliams, how can the primary care physician practice be made more attractive to new doctors? That is a great question. And speaking for myself, it's a very attractive profession. I enjoy practicing primary care. I think if primary care physicians were better supported to achieve the health outcomes and to continue to take care of patients in the way that they feel is best, then uh, it would certainly provide more a better environment for them to practice in. Has your practice changed because of what happened in the study? No, I would say more the reverse. My caring for disadvantaged patients with chronic conditions and complex illnesses motivates my research in health disparities. And I think I take more away from my clinical profession into my research than vice versa. Tell us about other health care policies, for example, the Medicare buy-in policy that address the uninsured elderly. Well, a Medicare buy-in would allow adults under the age of 65 to purchase Medicare benefits with subsidies for those with low incomes. Of course, any effective reform would require a means to finance the increased cost to, to finance these subsidies, which would mean some redistribution of wealth. This would mean a greater willingness on the part of voters and politicians to achieve some consensus. And our study suggests that the cost of coverage expansion may be partially offset by subsequent reductions 
in the use of health care by some, which certainly bolsters the rationale for passing reform and may help to strengthen the political will to do so. Aside from a a Medicare buy-in option, there are other ways to expand private coverage, such as the Massachusetts health care reform. And describe that in more detail. The state health care reform here in Massachusetts has achieved through a combination of employer and individual mandates with premium supports for those with low incomes, essentially universal coverage. If you were king and you could make everything better in the land in terms of health care policy, what would you do? That's a great question, certainly beyond the scope of, of our study. And I think there are a lot of great minds that have yet to be able to figure that out. Certainly, there are vulnerable populations out there that do not get the care that they deserve and care that they would benefit from. Uh, And I think that is a serious limitation of our health system that needs to be redressed. Have you studied other health care systems outside the United States? To a degree. I think what's interesting about the United States health system is that a lot of the models that are used in other parts of the world can be found somewhere in our healthcare system. We just have no unifying system. Can you estimate the possible savings for Americans over 65 if earlier coverage had been provided? Again, we were unable to put an exact dollar figure on the cost offsets in reduced services after age 65 that our study suggests would occur if coverage were expanded to uninsured adults before 65. We do have plans to try and get a more refined estimate of of those cost offsets. And from an economic perspective, these may not be cost savings, just partial savings, because the healthcare spending would increase for adults under the age of 65 if coverage were expanded. Our study simply shows that those increases would be at least partially offset by downstream reductions. And how will you do that? We have plans to link the survey data we used with Medicare claims data. The data we used were self-reports of healthcare use and spending, and so we could not directly validate them against medical records or Medicare claims data. What are economists saying about the study? Have you gotten any feedback from them? No direct feedback. I think that the point I just made would be a point that an economist would would quickly point out, uh, is that these are likely to be partial savings. Another argument may be that if Medicare is good for one's health uh, and expanding coverage is good for one's health, then expanding coverage may prolong life expectancy or increase life expectancy, thereby increasing the cumulative amount of healthcare use and spending among this population of, of uninsured adults. Uh, however, I, I tend to view greater life expectancy as a, as a big benefit, so I would not put it as much on the cost side as on the benefit side. And what are the other benefits that you see? Well, our study didn't directly address the health benefits, although we do have plans to assess those as well. We found that the uninsured adults suffered health declines, such as worse physical functioning or reporting worse general health. So the implication is that expanding coverage would improve general health and physical functioning. Because you're a primary care physician on the front lines practicing with the disadvantaged population, what happens when they cannot afford the care? How have you handled that? Well, fortunately, I have been practicing in Massachusetts where there is a very robust free care pool to provide coverage for uninsured adults. And so one of the pleasures I've had in practicing is to provide good care to at a top hospital to 
patients who would otherwise have to forego many basic clinical services and effective medications. I think that might be different in other parts of the country. How is that funded and structured? Essentially, hospitals put money into a pool that is then redispersed according to the proportion of patients that they serve that lack health insurance coverage or are on Medicaid. Dr. McWilliams, what's your take-home message today? My take-home message would be that Older uninsured adults, particularly those with cardiovascular disease and diabetes, are likely not receiving adequate care. This is a shame because modern medicine is quite good at treating these conditions and preventing costly complications. Our study suggests that expanding coverage for these adults may produce substantial health benefits at a cost that is less than one might think. Dr. McWilliams, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Susan. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. 